millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Namihi nui and welcome. From RNZ National, here's our changing world. New Zealand's first smart motorway is due to open in Wellington by the middle of the year. To find out what'll make it intelligent, Alison heads along to Nauranga Gorge to meet Glenn Prince, project manager for the smart motorway, and Neil Walker, New Zealand Transport Agency's highway manager for Wellington. They begin by checking out the morning rush hour. Well, it looks like a normal morning. People making their way to work. It's fairly congested, heading into town at the moment. But the traffic's actually flowing quite well at the moment. And so um, however traffic actually flows down the road makes a big difference. If we can get it travelling smoothly, that means that we can actually cut the time it takes to get down into town. So this is going to be part of what will be New Zealand's first smart motorway? Yeah, it's the first smart motorway. I mean, we already have a lot of technology on the road, but this is about putting more equipment in so that we can try and control the uh, flow of traffic. So when you say you've already got some technology, what have we already got happening out there? Well, most people probably aren't aware, but for the Wellington Urban Motorway, we have good coverage. We can see the majority of the Wellington Urban Motorway already, and we use that to manage all of the incidents that we get on the network, so car crashes, whatever. And that's just as simple as cameras? It's cameras, we have sensors as well, but we, we don't have the smarts that we're implementing at the moment, which actually predicts what speed people should be travelling at to, to get their traffic flowing smoother. We've got quite an extensive network already of, of what we call active traffic management. We're now moving toward uh, an automated system, so we're sort of moving away from manually implemented speed signs and that sort of thing. So what we're trying to do is we have a whole series of sensors and road loops and radar that are out on the network, and we source data, we take that data, uh, we feed it into a, a fairly complicated predictive model, uh, and we make, then make decisions based on the flow and the speed of traffic that's feeding back, and we can make de- decisions on what we believe the speed setting should be in 5, 10, 15, 20 minutes' time. So there's a lot more technology, and it's far less uh, subjective. So it's moving away from a sort of a manual intervention to an automated intervention. OK, well, I'd suggest we talk a bit more about that inside, just because there's a lot of traffic and it's pretty noisy up out good. here. Is it critical in all of this that you actually keep the traffic flowing? Because I've been in a number of, of situations, as I'm sure everybody has, where the traffic slows to a halt and you stop, start, stop, start for a while, and it's not at all clear why you've done it, and you realise it was something that happened possibly hours ago and it's still just having this stop-start effect on the traffic. Yeah, and that's what we're trying to avoid by putting this technology into the network. And that stop-start nature generally happens when someone jams the brakes on. And if you can imagine, then the people behind them are doing the same thing, and that's, that's what you, when you create what we call shock waves. So what the, uh, the technologies are trying to do is to encourage people to know what speed to be travelling at. And it might seem strange, they may be travelling along and think there's nothing in front of me, yet they're telling me to slow down. And the reason for that is because we don't want hard braking. 
and there's a, there's a number of things that um, are really important when you're driving on a highway like this. So checking the speeds, relaxing if it, if it looks like there's a gap ahead but you don't need to take it. And all of that's really what we're trying to do is prevent that shockwave effect which is people hitting the brakes and then that works its way back down the queues. One of the questions that we get is how do you work out the estimated travel times? Most of it is from sensors that are out on the road network and we're tracking flow and speed and we have a whole series of sort of algorithms and, and smart technology that sits in the background to help us interpret that information and then turn that into travel time. What's the data coming in from though? We're using uh, things like Bluetooth, we have systems called BlipTrack, so we've got nodes that are out on the network that essentially are picking up data as the, as the vehicles are travelling past those, those nodal points and again it's feeding it back to a, an algorithm and that algorithm is then interpreting that into, into speed and flow and then ultimately uh, travel time. And the Bluetooth signal, where's that coming from? Bluetooth signals, they come from cars generally, so people that have got mobile phones on and if I've got their Bluetooth turned on, some of the, we're picking up a percentage of the vehicles that are actually travelling the route each day. So it's just an anonymous signal and then you can it's track it through town? Yeah, we don't know. It's just, a, it's just a signal coming and going. So and that allows us to sort of monitor how fast the car's going over a certain length. We have loops in the roads as well. And the loops are just things that you've dug into the road, basically? Yeah, they're basically a, a, yeah, a loop of wire that's sitting in the, in the road itself and is covered in seal, so people don't know that they're there. We use that for a number of things, you know, around counting and uh, just knowing where people are in the network, etc. So you've got this Bluetooth. What did, what did you say? Blip. Blip track, and that's that's essentially just another system. Again, it's a, a series of nodal points on the network, and again, it just picks up traffic as they travel past that node point, uh, and then we can determine essentially a travel time between one node and the next, and then depending on what that travel time is and what that speed is, then you can determine the expected travel time. So at the moment when I drive around town, I'm seeing estimated travel times. Are those based on what's been happening, say, in the past 10, 15, 20 minutes? Yes, they are, and that's the difference with this new model, which will be predictive. It'll be taking history, and it's got a, an algorithm which works through, and it predicts what the travel time's going to be, and, and so it's more front-footed, I suppose, is what you could say, is around how it actually sets expected journey times, but also the speeds on the signs. Yeah, so it can be much more responsive when it realises suddenly that actually everyone's getting on the motorway because they're all trying to get to work at the same time. Yeah, and it's taken a whole lot of things into consideration when it's starting to do that in its predictive model. So what's happened in the past, what time of day it is, what the normal traffic patterns are for, the, for that day of the week. Whether it's school holidays, not yeah, school all holidays, of, all, all of, of those things. Yeah, all of those things, yeah. So what area is the smart motorway going to cover? Well, it's going to influence about 10 kilometres of the urban Wellington network. It's around the most busiest part of the network. Um, but physically, you know, we're going to be doing quite a bit of work in, a, in a, about a three kilometres of that. Now, I've noticed in the last few months as I've been driving in and out of Wellington, there's been a lot of activity here at the bottom of Nauranga Gorge, a lot of roadworks going on and temporary road closures. What's happening there? Well, what we're trying to do there is squeeze as much as we can out of the existing motorway, and we're going to put an extra lane in north, so from Aotea Key down to the actual Nauranga uh, interchange. And that's so, without widening the road? That's without widening the road, um, but making use of every part of that, that road that we can. So, for example, we'll replace the median barrier down there, which is about three kilometres of median barrier, and that's w what you'll see our people have been working on um, every day down there at the moment. And that's to give us more width. So what you'll see shortly is there'll be four lanes from Aotea Key uh, down to the interchange, and that's going to help traffic flows at night, particularly on you know, where the traffic separates up State Highway 1 and State Highway 2 down to Petoni. 
So are you going to end up without a shoulder on the road, is that right? Yeah, and that's part of why we want the technology up there, where we need it. We have got a couple of bays uh, that people can pull over, but if for any reason that they, they can't make it to a bay, the technology's there to, to warn uh, motorists coming that there may be someone um, sitting in the lane, so they'll get a cross showing on one of our gantry signs. Plenty of warning for them to know to um, slow down and, and move to another lane. And you'll be aware of it very quickly and able to respond to that? Yep, the technology's there to allow us to, to know that someone's actually stopped on the network, and that's part of what we're installing at the moment. But we always have a backup plan as well. We have cameras across the entire network, which are, and we have people looking. So is there a room full of people somewhere, Glenn, who are keeping an eye on all of this? Yeah, there is. We've got what we call the Wellington Transport Operations Centre, and that's based in Johnsonville. They've got cameras, they've got sensors, they've got loops, and again, all of that information is feeding back to them, uh, and they can make decisions on appropriate plans to post. And when I mean plans, I mean putting up appropriate signs and messages to support what's happening. Are you doing anything with the roads themselves, apart from fitting in that extra lane? What else are you doing? Yeah, well, one of the things we have to do is reseal because of all the work that we've been doing, and we're going to put down a new ash belt, so and that's smart in itself. We call it a MOGPA, but its actual its full name is Epoxy Modified Open Grade Porous Ash Belt. And, um, that's quite a name. Yeah, it is quite a name. Um, <laughs> in MOGPA, I like that. Okay, yeah. we'll stick so with that. The reason why we're, we're going to use it here is because it's got a long lifetime, plus it also reduces the road noise. So I think we get something in the order of three to four times the ash belt life by putting this new... Ashfield down. As I understand it, we are using it extensively in Auckland, on the Auckland Road Network. However, I'm, from what I understand, it's only been really used for what we call greenfield sites or new projects. This is the first brownfields or where it's actually a resurfacing treatment. So it's pretty exciting. It's, it's certainly a lot of thought has gone into it. One of the key things about it, because we've got such a long surface life, so it's up to 30 years, uh, we need to make sure that we've got a very, very solid or good foundation to lay it on. So we're doing a lot of strengthening work there to ensure that we that we put it down on a good, solid base. And that, as Neil pointed out, we get hopefully get that 30 years and that reduces the need for maintenance. So then obviously that reduces the disruptions to traffic. And uh, so there's lots, yeah, lots of good things happening there in that regard. So you've got all this traffic flowing nicely, but there is unfortunately an accident. What happens then? Yeah, and that's, that's quite important because it doesn't matter how well you get the traffic flowing. If you have an accident, then um, the, the, the thing that we really focus on getting getting it off the road as quickly as we can. So there's a couple of things we've done. So we're going to we're going to have ready response vehicles so that they can get to the incident as quickly as they can. That's, we wouldn't normally do that, but that's going to be part of the smart motorway. Plus access to, for emergency services to get on, on the road quicker. When does it start? So at the moment we're looking at late May. Probably the biggest change that motorists will notice is the fourth northbound lane. So we will open the northbound lane uh, in late May, so uh, essentially that means that uh, at the moment you see extensive queuing on Aotea Quay as they're approaching the motorway. Uh, we will remove that merge altogether and then traffic will flow up onto the motorway into the dedicated, that extra dedicated northbound lane. In terms of the smart motorway technology, we're sort of looking at, at, at three phases, uh, but essentially what we're doing is the model is going through a learning process. So as we capture more and more data, the, the model becomes smarter and smarter day by day. So maybe for the first three months, we'll have our hands in the system, making sure that it's, it's um, working like we expect it to. Um, and then it'll fully automate itself over a period of about three to four months. So is this going to solve rush hour? There won't be any congestion anymore? Look, in terms of congestion, I, th I think there is a sort of a, a belief that the smart motorway is going to eliminate congestion. That, that's certainly not the case. What we're wanting drivers to do is comply with those speed limits. 
Uh, and if we can do that, uh, the benefits to, to road users are, you know, are quite significant because essentially what we're going to try and do is delay the onset of congestion. It allows us what we talk about the shoulder peak, which is just before a peak period. We want to try and draw that out, delay the onset of congestion, and then return the network to a normal operating condition as quickly as possible. So, so really what we're trying to do through that peak period is to actually push more traffic through our network than we have done previously. And, and in doing so, we need drivers to be, um, I guess, adhering to those speed limits and complying with them. So you need smart drivers as well as a yeah, smart motorway. Yeah, yeah, everything needs to be smart about this project. Yep, yep. That was Neil Walker, New Zealand Transport Agency's Wellington Highway Manager. And you also heard Glenn Prince from the Wellington Smart Motorway Project. That's all for now, but you can stay in touch with us on Twitter at rnz underscore science. Kia ora mai.